Greetings, welcome aboard the Diecast Enterprise. This is Pags. And I'm Foley. And tonight... We're going to drop you a quickie review. Yeah, because this episode is not one of Patrick's favorites. It's eh, it's fine. It's okay. It's, it's not, not great. great. It, there's not a lot to this episode. Of course, we're talking about episode 23. Mm-hmm. We'll always have Paris we'll of season all... one. Mm-hmm. A uh, obvious nod to Casablanca. Yep. And there are some Casablanca things going on throughout this episode. A woman who goes back to her scientist husband. Mm-hmm. It's Casablanca. Love, regrets, yeah, whatever. Basically, Picard comes to the rescue of an old girlfriend who he left on Earth. He stood up. Yeah, he, he, like they were, he was supposed to go meet her, but instead he just shipped out because of reasons. Because he wanted to be a Star Trek... He wanted to be a Starfleet captain. He wanted to be a Star Trek captain. Star Trek captain. Yeah, he wanted to be on Star Trek, so he didn't stay on Earth. And It was his dream to one day be the captain of the Star Trek Enterprise. Yeah, and he did it, so, you know... Good work, Captain. Yeah. The ship's about to go is en route to shore leave on um, somewhere somewhere when all of a sudden they feel some crazy time distortions time repeats itself yeah and that's not supposed to happen so they immediately start looking into it Picard's having a sweet fencing match against or Lieutenant, Lieutenant Dean Lieutenant Dean and then all of a sudden his pithy line about uh, <clears throat> the technique of a desperate man or something like that mm-hmm. uh, yeah after he scores a point it repeats mm-hmm. itself and they're like whoa what just happened dude and uh, it turns out everybody on the ship felt the same effect and it was felt on nearby planets as well so then they're like well, this isn't good yeah um, Shit's cray. So they get a uh, dis- they get pick up a distress signal from um, Doctor Paul Mannheim, as played by the guy who played uh, Sigmund Freud in the uh, much better time travel. Oh yes, uh, film Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. So good, he was excellent in that film. Oh. <laughs> excellent. Shut up. Excellent. So Mannheim, I guess, is the uh, is the man that Picard's old flame ended up marrying, mm-hmm. and here they are reunited under extremely awkward circumstances. Twenty two years later, yeah, in- her husband is like dying of time distortion. Yeah, basically. So there's the possibility that Picard might be able to snatch up this uh, yeah this lady, get her on the rebound, you know. After- and uh, man, oh man. Is Dr. Crusher ever jealous? Yes. In pretty much the last instance where they have written Crusher to be in love with the captain. They've been alluding to it throughout the season. Really poorly most of the time. Yeah, it's not very well handled. But this will be the last time. Yeah. And then she's gone next season. And then by the time she comes back for season three, it's been pretty much decided that Picard is basically sexless. Yeah. You know, except for Vash. Vash. Whatever. So, Counselor Troy has uh, has a little confrontation with Picard. You know, it's like, she's like, can I have a word with you? He's like, go ahead. And she's like, you might want this to be in private. And he's like, fuck off. This doesn't need to be private. Just tell me what you got to tell me. Yeah. And she's like, well, listen, you know, I noticed that when Mannheim's name was mentioned in the distress call that we just picked up, that you reacted with, you know, intense emotion, you know, and you tend to suppress this stuff instead of dealing with it. So maybe you should take this time to, uh, we've got a few hours before we get there, take this time to reflect on your feelings and sort that shit out. And he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Really, so he goes to the holodeck to do that. I'm really impressed you like more or less memorized the, the dialogue in that scene perfectly i know well i i'm, I'm like that no, i have this uh it's really good. audiographic memory incredible i know so he goes to uh yeah a repl- replica of uh the cafe des artistes in paris from 22 years ago yeah where he was supposed to meet this girl yeah. and he arrives and there's this guy playing this weird instrument where he's basically jacking off plastic tubes but it's making accordion noises yeah yeah it's a wankophone played by a francophone buzzing wow Slam dunk. Yes. Nice work. Thank you. Um, And I'm spent. You (laughs) can... Please... 
I got to carry the rest of the podcast. That was me yeah. done. I think we're done. We're going to stop yeah, right yeah. now. Francophone, um, wankophone. Well, Picard sits down at the table, and I guess the computer has recreated sort of a proxy for uh, the woman he was supposed to meet. Yeah, for some um, reason, the uh, I guess maybe the uh, computer picked up on cues from what he was telling that waiter guy and has recreated a similar scenario where there's a young woman there who has been stood up. Stood up waiting all day for... Mm-hmm. And she doesn't understand why he hasn't shown up. What did I do to drive him away? And uh, he's like, oh, well, you know, maybe, blah, blah, blah. And, and then he's like... No, and then the, he gets sick of that shit. <laughs> then he, like the audience, gets sickened by this whole scenario mm-hmm. and leaves. Enough of the self-indulgence. Yeah, which is a great line. You know, and she's particularly hurt by that. She's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. What are you, old man? He's like, whatever, you're a computer program. Yeah. He doesn't, so, in true spite, and sadly, he's not spiteful enough to just delete the program as he walks out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I guess that this, this steals him for the next scene where he actually... Um, Has to meet the... Uh, first first talk to her, talk to... Yeah, on the uh, hailing frequencies, you know, and, and he backs out of saying his name. This is Captain, this is the captain, captain. of the Enterprise. Yeah, oh, hey. And everyone on the bridge is like, What's fuck? with this guy? <laughs> fuck, that was awkward. Yeah, super awkward. We look so uncool right now. Mm-hmm. So they, they beam Mannheim and Mrs. Mannheim directly to the sick bay because they learned from the last episode yeah, where right. in a medical emergency you don't beam people to the transporter room. You beam yeah. them directly to the sick bay. They should have beamed them to the transporter room and then made Mrs. Han- Mannheim carry her convulsing husband yes. to the sick bay. Like, sick bay is right this way. If you'd like to pick up your husband and follow me. Totally. <laughs> if Ricardo had been truly butthurt about the whole situation, that's what he would have done. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, no, they, they sort of stabilize Mannheim a bit. He's suffering from bizarre time distortion effects. Basically, um, part of Mannheim is still in the alternate dimension that he uh, that he touched or whatever. Right. So he's not all there. He and his fellow scientists have used the power source embedded in the planet that they're doing the research on mm-hmm. to open a, yeah, a rift to another dimension. And, uh, and that's it's causing... affecting time in yeah. what Data terms the Mannheim effect. Yeah, which is actually kind of amusing. Like as they go through the ship, they're walking around, and then they sort of encounter themselves. Yeah, from a couple minutes earlier, like they mm-hmm. get on the turbo lift and they're talking, and the turbo lift doors open, and they see them about to get on the turbo lift again. Like, yeah. And then the perspective changes, and we're following the ones that were in the hall, which is yeah, yeah. Cool. And I like that. I actually the way that was executed it was kind of fun. Yeah, that was kind of fun. Uh, Star Trek has a long history of uh, handling time travel and time distortions poorly. Um, yeah, there's some stuff that happens in this that's annoying, but the actual like the Mannheim effect stuff is fine it's yeah. actually kind of yeah no, that was actually good uh, not so much at the end though mm-hmm. um, so Picard and um, Janice have a couple of very awkward scenes mm-hmm. where they reminisce about what could have been um, yeah she wants to know why he didn't show up he tells her the truth and then she's like oh no that's not what I wanted I wanted a, uh, I wanted you to lie <laughs> a I nice little a lie nice, nice safe comfortable lie he's like and Patrick Stewart because he's rad just mm-hmm. like kills that scene he's great he's like yeah. oh, oh well you know I thought it was Wednesday not Tuesday uh, I went to this cafe, not the, that cafe. Yeah. You know, oh, it was raining. You couldn't get a cab. Mm-hmm. Killed it. Yeah, he, he nailed that scene. That was great. Yep. Good work, Patrick. Mm-hmm. The uh, lady who's playing Mrs. Mannheim um, was uh, a member of the Mamas and the Papas from the 1960s group. Uh, Is that where Mama Cass was from? She was in the Mamas and the Papas, wasn't she? I don't know. That seems like she would be because maybe Mama Cass. Uh, that's, uh, the group was Mama Cass, this lady, and Papa Smurf. Papa Smurf. And someone else. Popeye. Mm-hmm. Pappy Popeye. Uh, um, yeah, so they 
they have their scene. Dialogue cheesy. But yeah, it's fine. It was mercifully short. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, Manheim, I guess, retains consciousness long enough to agree. Like when he realizes how far, how far spread the effects of his yeah, time it's experiment. Yeah, just like a, a couple hundred yeah. light years. Yeah, so he's like, holy crap! I gotta, we gotta put a stop to this. Mm-hmm. So uh, Data has had time to verse, you know, fully verse himself in all of Manheim's written, published theories and science stuff. So Manheim tells him how to deal with shit, gives him the codes to get through the uh, death trap that is his uh, laboratory. Yeah. Although he does forget some of those codes. So oh, get... I forgot about the lasers. Shit. Yeah. So we get we get a nice scene of uh, Data jumping and rolling mm-hmm. to avoid lasers. Dodges lasers. and you know, uh, By jumping towards them. Where is Data? You know. Yeah, he's, he's, he's precise. Very precise. And uh, yeah, oh, also Manheim gifts his wife to Picard, basically. He's like, like if anything happens to me... Take care of my wife. Yeah. Like Picard's like, can do. You got it, bro. No problem. Mm-hmm. And, and then uh, he quietly gives orders to uh, Dr. Crusher to let him die. <laughs> Poison this man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The outfit that uh, Janice is wearing is oh, man. pretty insane. Like, <laughs> Oh, it, it, it's so good. I, so you, that's really, yeah, you're right. That might have been the best part of the show. So it's like, it's basically like a wallpaper print. Yeah, and she's got these weird boots. That are the same color and appear to be made of the same material. And she's got the side vents on either side, so like her... By her, yeah, like by her It's like a bare midriff, except it goes from her waist to her armpit, you know? Yeah. It's a bare side rip. Super weird. And yeah, yeah. Her, the, 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 body, the, the, the pants, though, are basically are sort of balloon out. Yeah, yeah. She's wearing knee-high boots, and then and above the knee... And... Yeah, parachute, like, knee-to-waist... To pants and then the top is yeah this weird side vent affair yeah it's very uh she wears the whole episode future. she never changes it's the no, no. only outfit she's wearing which i guess is understandable because like her there's a time distortion yeah i guess she didn't have her, time to pack in her lab where yeah. she lives fair um so data goes down to fix this thing and we get this kind of is that is that casual wear or is that like her science are those her science clothes uh, well, I don't think she's a scientist. She's just... You don't think she helps out in the lab? I don't, I don't, I don't know what she does. Because so. All the other like, scientists are dead. Like, no, they all well, remember, died. she kept making her go to the safe room while he was doing stuff, so she wouldn't I have guess. been able to help. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think she was a scientist. I think she was just there. Uh, Data goes to fix things, but then the time distortion happens, and there are three of him. Well, he has to... He can only plug the hole to the other dimension. Yeah, when the time distortion happens, but right. it takes the form of suddenly there are three of him there. It's the Manhunt effect. Yeah, and he, they have to figure out which one is in the correct continuum to drop the antimatter and Data solves this problem by simply asking the other two Datas which one's the right one and then the one that is the correct one gets to use a contraction that's me. how we know me it's me yeah it's like, oh yes Data should have known that that data was not from his own dimension exactly because he used a contraction um, how on earth Data is able to perceive that it- we're told that I guess Data has less trouble dealing with the time distortions than finds them less mm-hmm. disorienting than the humans on board. Yeah, but how that whole thing works is just—it's just a lot of hand waving. Like whatever. Yeah, maybe maybe it's an audio thing. Maybe that Data was able to detect that the countdown going on in the background. Who would, knows? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was very unsatisfactorily handled. <sighs> It was lame. Uh, but anyway, Although I liked the special effect of the uh, of the the time distortion portal thing. Yeah, yeah, I liked that. That was all right. Yeah, I mean, we're we're kind of like going through this super fast because the details are. Yeah, there's not a lot to really go over. Like some of it's it's fine, but there's not a lot of like it's just kind of some of the scenes are just awkward and mm-hmm. not that much happens. No, no, um, it is basically Casablanca, you know, because as soon as they fix the time distortion, that scientist is all better, and then he wants to go back and continue the work, and she doesn't want to go, but he convinces her, and you know, Picard gets to say his goodbye properly, and you know, and then she's off because you know she's a part of his work. 
Yeah. She doesn't go with him. She'll regret it. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. But soon, and for the rest of her life. That's yeah. That's pretty much it. And then they talk about going to the Blue Parrot Bar. Yep. On this planet, they're going to because the now they're going to go for shore leave. Now they're yeah. Now they're unlike other episodes where they've just blown off shore leave after something happens. This is pretty much the first. I think this is the first shore leave, actual shore leave of the whole season. Mm-hmm. Finally. Yeah. But the Blue Parrot Bar is also the name of the bar in Casablanca. Yep. So there you go. So Troy Riker and uh, Picard are going to go there. Yeah, and Troy's buying. Hell yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, we didn't really mention the scene where uh, Troy talks to Crusher and Crusher's like, I can't compete with a ghost from his past. Oh, <laughs> that was awful. Yeah, like, she's not a ghost, she's here now. It's like, it's the ghost he sees. Blur, blur, blur. Like, oh, awesome. Okay, thanks. And there's also a weird scene where she's like stroking Mannheim's hair and saying, oh, I wish I could have talked to you. You must have been something. And I'm like, that's kind of creepy. It's a bit creepy. And yeah, scene. That's it. That's the episode. Mm-hmm. I guess the reason this one bugs me, I suppose, is I mean, it, it's good to have some insight into Picard's past, mm-hmm. but they went so so cliched with it. They did. The, the character, like Janice, doesn't seem like a horrible person. It's like like no. she's not particularly cheesy. Like that was fine. But I felt the chemistry between her and Picard was fine. Like yeah, I felt like there was genuine attraction and affection between the two of them. So totally, yeah. Like it wasn't really wooden. Yeah, like, uh, some yeah. of the as, other. As has happened. I'd like to say the past, but in future episodes, yes, uh, we will get. I mean, probably one thing that's really helping this on-screen chemistry in is that one of the two PR parties involved is Patrick Stewart. Yeah. So as usual, he's here. Patrick Stewart is badass, and yeah. it's hard not to be attracted to Patrick. Uh, well, I just meant he's a fine actor. Yes, but that's yeah, what I know I, that's what I meant too. Of course, yes. That's yes. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> um, how would you rate this episode? Give it an ensign. Ensign, yeah. Um, I'll also go with an ensign. Yeah, it's not... The Mannheim effect was okay. Yeah, it's pretty bland. It really, really is. Like, it's very forgettable. Which is why we've blown through this so quickly, because there's not a lot to say about this episode. I mean, we're going to get a bunch of other insight into Picard's past in future episodes, but this sort of feels like a wasted opportunity, Mm -hmm. really. It does. It really does. However, now that we've talked about the episode, I'm going to use it as a jumping-off point to talk about something more interesting in Star Trek-related. Hit it. I think we should talk about... Time travel in Star Trek because Star Trek, like I mentioned earlier, has a poor track record when it comes to dealing with time anomalies. And, it's one of their favorite travel. things to yeah, do. Yeah, I though. know. They do it a lot, but the problem yeah. is they're not very good at it. Like, I mean, there are sometimes it's fine. Like, time loop episodes are pretty decent because there's not a lot to fuck up there. But when you go back in time and change things and come back and stuff, I've only seen Star Trek do that correctly once, and that was in the new Star Trek movie. Hmm. Because most of the time, Star Trek has been functioning on the notion that you go back in time and you change something, it changes the future. Mm-hmm. But it's not quite like that. Um, conjecture. <laughs> well, I mean, all time travel stuff is conjecture. Listen, but... neither of us are Paul Lionheim. I don't think we're qualified. No, that's fair, but... But they usually go I, with... I've done my fair share of research on this. You've watched like, Back to the Future. Well, ba- see, Back to the Future... We've watched Bale and Ted's Excellent Adventure as well. Yeah, Back to the Future gets it wrong, too, though. <laughs> That's the thing, because Back to the Future runs on the notion of a single timeline, a single universe. Most of what I read, and you know, in terms of quantum physics and time travel, seems to point to the notion that if you change something in the past, you create an alternate timeline, but that doesn't affect the timeline you came from. So, like, if I go back in time and kill my parents, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that I cease to exist, because 
because I came from a universe and timeline where my parents weren't killed, but I now occupy a timeline where they were, so I won't be born in that timeline, but that doesn't mean I fade out of existence, a la Back to the Future, because I'm not from that timeline. I'm from a different timeline. And the problem with time travel as a storytelling trope is you can't use it to affect change in your universe, because as soon as you make a change, you've created an alternate timeline. First of all, for storytelling purposes, if you go with that theory, that's super boring. Mm -hmm. But it is how they used it in the new Star Trek movie, the first J.J. Abrams one. That's why everything changes, right? But Spock from... Oh, you're talking about the idea that the movie is... Yeah, the movie... Like the characters exist in an alternate timeline. Sorry, I thought you were talking about Spock going back in time. No, no. uh, Not the him physically going back in time. Leonard Nimoy going back in time, sorry. So, like, Leonard Nimoy, he came from a universe where Vulcan didn't (sighs) get destroyed. And that universe carries on without him. But now he is in universe B, let's call it. Where everything has changed because of... I'm not going to give the writers of that movie that much credit. I think they wanted to have a movie and reboot Star Trek. Mm -hmm. So, that's convenient, but sure. Whatevs. I'm just saying, it's the first time that they've used time travel in Star Trek where it's consistent with current uh, accepted time travel theories. So, you know, like, I mean, that may not be the way time travel works at all. Who knows? But that's just where... I really can't believe you're disregarding the theories of the 20th century's predominant time theory expert, Robert Zemeckis. I think you mean Dr. Emmett Brown? Dr. Emmett Brown was his muse, perhaps. It's an interesting notion, the whole single timeline thing with a ripple effect where you make a change and it ripples through the timeline. Yeah. But, yeah, it, the thing about that kind of thing is you have to set it up at the beginning. That's how it works, which they do in Back to the Future. So Back to the Future is internally consistent, if nothing else. That's all you can ever ask for from exactly. a story. But Star Trek tends to be all over the place. Sometimes that's the way it works, and sometimes it's not. I'm trying to think of examples, really. I don't know. TNG is some of the best stories of all time, but it's usually we have the looping of time. Yeah, I love the time loop episode. Yeah. And the time loop is internally consistent because it's its own enclosed circuit. I mean, they go back to the 18th century in season mm. 6 and meet Mark, Mark Twain, Twain which is weird yeah um, and leave Data's head in the cave I mean it's not clear whether or not they changed the timeline I can't remember like how that even works and then of course the finale of Next Gen is all over the timeline yeah uh, it's in the future and the past and the present and although I really love how they did that that's my favorite episode of Next Gen so I think for me a lot of my annoyance with time travel stories stems from my inability to have made one myself because back when we were in high school I wanted to write a comic book about a time traveling character Mm -hmm. and because I was a dork Mm -hmm. I didn't want to write it without researching it first so I went to the library I talked to like our science teachers I poured through Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff and learned too much about time travel because I learned so much that it became clear to me that I couldn't write the time travel story that I wanted because that's not how time travel would work. Right. And suddenly my time traveling character was entirely pointless because if he goes back in time and stops a bad guy, okay, so he stopped a bad guy in that universe which he has just created, but he still comes from a universe where he didn't stop that bad guy. Plus he can never get back to his own universe. As soon as you leave the timeline, you're out. You can't go back. This comic sounds great. The the incredibly underwhelming adventures of (laughs) Yeah. You get what I mean, right? Because as soon as you leave, as soon as you go back in time, the second you materialize in the past you branch the timeline you now are occupying space that had previously been vacant I guess if you say so maybe that is how it works 
but whatever again like you just have to have internal consistency in your story yeah you have to set it up in your story that this is how time travel works that there is yeah. one timeline that leaves paradoxes open you so, if you create a single timeline theory then paradoxes can happen with this multiverse timeline theory paradoxes are an impossibility they don't happen so what episodes of star trek specifically with time travel are the oh, bug the, you? oh the bug me is i mean is that you're saying you don't um, like the way it's handled what oh which, i'm saying that when, it's handled incorrectly quite a lot and most egregiously in Star Trek IV, The uh, Voyage Home, oh. where they travel back in time to uh, 1980s Earth to mm-hmm. steal a whale. Uh, yeah, rock-solid plan. <laughs> and they do all sorts of things that should get them caught. And they, in fact, change the timeline by giving some manufacturing company the formula for transparent aluminum. Indeed. And they even have that conversation, like, oh, um, you know, aren't we changing the timeline by doing this? And he's like, how do you know this guy isn't the person who invented it. That's a good point. Well, they should know that that's not the person who invented it, but whatever. You're talking about a Star Trek-themed comedy movie. Okay, I don't know. I guess I was more interested in time travel problems in TNG, yeah. but yeah, Star Trek 4, uh, I don't know. Yeah, there's a particularly annoying episode of Voyager with a time ship that this guy keeps making changes trying to restore this empire. Right. And specifically, like, at one point he restores it to, like, 99.9% of its previous uh, glory, but the specific colony he's trying to save, which is where his wife was, uh-huh. wasn't restored. It still got obliterated. So he's not happy with that. He's got to keep trying, huh. and, and eventually, like he fucks it up pretty bad. It's uh, Kurtwood Smith uh, oh, as okay. the captain of that time ship. Clarence Bodiger? Yeah, yeah, the oh. very same. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I don't know. I just tend to find because I did all of that research into time travel as a teenager and have kept up with it over the years that time travel stories tend to bug me when they aren't done the way you want them done well not the way i want them done but when it's clear that they're just using it as a gimmick instead of having really thought it through Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of taking for granted that the uh, single timeline thing is the way it goes which is fine if you state that right away or like if you make that clear but i don't know yeah it's just a pet peeve of mine fair enough first contact is another good example contact yeah, Star Trek First Contact. I've heard of that movie. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. the Borg go back in time and assimilate Earth, and, like, the Enterprise sees it happen. But that only works in a single timeline universe. They would have just seen the Borg disappear, and that would have been that, because the Borg would have gone back in time and assimilated Earth, but they would have been in a different fucking universe at that point. Just like when our boy uh, Spock goes back in time. The thing is, though, here, I really think you're fighting an uphill battle against pop culture here. Like, oh, no most, doubt. So, I guess it bugs you, but that's Nothing I the can way do it's about presented, it, but, right? You know, this is our podcast i'm allowed to bitch about it here i suppose so if you can wax poetic about replicators for half an hour i'm allowed to piss off about the way time travel is handled in the star trek franchise and in science fiction in general fair enough enough. yeah exactly Hmm. but i mean like that's one of the reasons that i liked the uh new trek so much is because it was the first time in star trek that i had seen the time travel aspect handled in the way that theoretically time travel would work they go back in time Mm -hmm. and they immediately create create a different universe universe b where things are different because of their very presence so yeah Mm. i dig that cool you know and i also like that that meant that universe a star trek prime carries on so for all the trekkies that get angry with new treks like don't worry your universe is just fine it's still there spock is 
gone now, but he was going to die someday eventually. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I guess it's yeah again for storytelling purposes. I guess it lets you you can have lots of alternate. Yeah, it, it's harder to use the alternate timeline version of uh, time travel than it is the single one because the single one has the appealing aspect of being able to go back and make a change that affects your world, of course, and makes things better. Of course, which is the basically the big appeal of time travel stories is the ability to fix mistakes. Yeah. But that you you can't use that trope with with this multiverse theory. So you have to find other ways to make it work. And they did in the new Star Trek movies. They it could because it gave them an opportunity to go back and retell the original stories differently. You know, it's like a different take on that era. I suppose. It doesn't even feel like time travel though. I mean like yeah, like it's just a Well it's only time travel from the perspective of Spock. It, for us as the viewers we're just watching an alternate universe basically I guess so sort of interesting then that in that same story Nero is doing exactly the thing that you're advocating against which is going back in time to try to change the past oh yeah absolutely but just because the bad guy doesn't understand that that's not gonna work but it did work the problem is he's trying to save his wife he's got no guarantee that his wife will ever be born in this universe and if she is it's not like he gets to have her back it seemed like he was more dispent on yeah he's going for vengeance here and in his mind he's saving his he's changing the future but he doesn't realize that that's not actually what's happening but isn't that just all conjecture again I mean forgetting the science of the stuff but it's just it's a matter of perspective I mean he killed Vulcan Mm -hmm. that was his goal yeah yeah so he achieves his goal but to to him though the, the Vulcan A and Vulcan B are indistinguishable yeah exactly but that doesn't just because he doesn't understand the difference doesn't mean there isn't a difference though uh but when it comes down to it it's where where he is I mean it's yeah, yeah, well, but that's the thing. Like, he doesn't now get to ride out the timeline and reclaim his wife and old life. Well, he because... can't go forward in time. Exactly. So he's stuck there. So he can't, there's nothing he can do. But even if he could go forward in time somehow, it wouldn't matter because now he would be going from a universe where, like, when he got to the future, he would be there. Another him, potentially. Assuming that everything worked out perfectly and he and his wife would be there, he wouldn't get to go back and claim the wife that he lost. He would now be a doppelganger or worse he could have fixed everything but then you know for some reason his wife is never born or he's never born or they never get together or whatever but aren't you saying that if he travels forward in time he would go to a third alternate universe if i guess depending on how it works like if he moves forward in that timeline as soon as he arrives it would split off into another alternate but it would be splitting off from the point that he arrived again but it's still there would be one version where he didn't arrive and one where he did uh and but he would still be arriving in the future of the timeline he changed earlier not the uh, the timeline he left from originally I think his only goal was to go and destroy Vulcan yeah, and, he, well, I'm and not, he succeeded I'm not saying that wasn't his goal I'm saying that you know the physics of it doesn't care what his goal was <laughs> I suppose so the universe and reality don't give a shit what my intentions are he went back in time to do this thing and he did it but it doesn't really change anything he still came from a universe where his planet got wiped out and that still happened you know by going back in time and changing things he only changed it for the new timeline he's created it the old timeline still exists and i would argue it's all relativistic like again from his perspective he took an action and it happened and now he lives in a universe where vulcan doesn't exist that's true so i don't think he cares whether or not it's i didn't i'm not saying he, he cares in. i'm not arguing that he cares I don't but care. you're talking about it as if it's wrong and he's wrong but i don't think he's wrong how is he not wrong though because he believes or no it, 
No, because it's it's just it's a perspective thing. I don't think that that part is a perspective thing because you can only exist in. I mean, if there's multiple universes, you can only exist in one of them at a time. Yeah, exactly. So but you're the only reality you're really concerning yourself is the one that you find yourself in. So in the reality where he finds himself, he destroyed Vulcan. I, I, I suppose so, but that doesn't make his previous reality like it didn't disappear as soon as he left. You know, it carried no, on without him. But it it doesn't. Yeah. So what? So if he if his goal was to change history and fix that he didn't uh, it's not even stated that that is his goal yeah that's what he's talking about like he's gonna you know i'm gonna save you know the empire by making sure that this doesn't happen by destroying vulcan yeah you know so he goes back in time and he destroys vulcan yeah but that doesn't save in the universe where he finds himself he destroyed vulcan successfully yeah. then time has to continue on in the universe that he finds himself mm-hmm. in and it will do so whether yeah. or not the empire is saved by his actions yeah we'll see but that's going to play out where he is yeah yeah, exactly. But what I'm getting at is that his understanding of how it works isn't necessarily correct, right? He might not understand that by going back in time, he's created an alternate universe. I guess I'm going to say it again. I don't think that matters. Well, it might not matter to him. Yeah. But relativity is a very selfish thing. Like, the only thing that matters is his perspective for him. Mm-hmm. The only way you can perceive it is through his own perspective. Yeah, so, well, f- fair enough. I mean, I don't think you can say that the other universes matter more. I didn't. I'm not saying the other universe. If there are. I'm just saying that they exist. Right. His actions don't change those other universes. Who cares? I don't. You know, if he's happy, you know, he's happy. Good for him. But he should be. He's created a universe where that won't happen. But well, he gets blown up by Kirk. Yeah. If his his goal was to save his wife or to save Romulus, if you believe there are infinite universes with infinite possibilities played out, Mm -hmm. you can't do anything. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm getting at. Is like he's gone back and he's changed his thing, but it doesn't actually matter. It matters to him. Yeah, it matters to him. But the universe that he is in, which is the only one that he can care about. Because yeah. if, you, if you care about what's going on in alternate universes, you, you're essentially... The only logical thing then is to do nothing about anything because yeah. you have no control over anything. Yeah. So if he wants to exert his influence on something, then all he can do is what he did. Well, time travel. Mm-hmm. Good for him, I guess. I'm trying to come up with a way to like make this story in any way compelling. And that's <laughs> that's what there is. I like the story the way it is. I like that he's... You're you know, calling him an idiot, though. Like Just be because I like the story doesn't make him smart. He's, I don't know. I think his actions are totally rational. I'm, I wouldn't call them rational. Well, he's a bad guy. Understandable, but I wouldn't necessarily call them rational. I feel that if he were rational and he had any kind of understanding of the physics of it, he'd be like, oh, you know, I can't save them because they're already gone. Disagree again. We're just going around in circles here. He did. He did it. All right. I, I don't know. Yeah. It, it, it just seems to me like a denial thing. You know, it's like I'm going to pretend that gravity doesn't exist doesn't mean that gravity doesn't exist. It's not the same at all. I disagree. I mean, I don't know what to say. I don't think we should go around in circles <laughs> yet again. <laughs> all right. Very well. We'll uh, we'll call it there. Uh, time travel is a sticky business. I can't wait to edit this 25-minute discussion <laughs> yeah. down to three minutes. Yeah, no doubt. Thanks for joining us aboard the DieCast Enterprise. I'm Pags. Foley. We'll see you next time.